Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sooner or later, the big one, a 7.8 magnitude earthquake, is going to hit Los Angeles and Southern California. In fact, there's a 50-50 chance this is going to happen in the next 30 years. When it does, hundreds, perhaps thousands of people will lose their lives, and the damage bill could approach 300 billion US dollars. Hearing about big earthquakes here in New Zealand and elsewhere around the world made the Southern California public radio station, KPCC, think about how ready its local community really was for a natural disaster. And its series, The Big One, tries to picture what might happen after a big LA quake and what you'll need to know to survive. I'll speak to Jacob Margolis, who presents the show in just a moment. But first, here's some of episode two called The Walk. This is a special safety message from the California Emergency Management Agency. Stronger shaking could follow the earthquake that already hit our area. It's safer to stay off the road right now. But if you must drive and the shaking starts again, pull over and stop at the first open, safe place you can find. Avoid all underpasses, power lines, and overhanging signs. If stopped, stay inside your car. If driving on a bridge or an overpass, carefully continue moving until you're off the bridge. Then look for a safe, open place to stop until the shaking passes. And stay tuned to this station for more Your feet hurt, so you sit down on the sidewalk. You've made it through downtown LA, past your favorite taco stand, crossed over the 110 freeway, abandoned cars everywhere. A woman touches your shoulder. Are you okay? I don't know, you say. A couple of buildings have caught fire down the street. Flames roaring, black smoke rising. Smell it here is terrible. Sewage and burning chemicals. No one seems to know what to do. Everyone's calling 911, but no one's getting through. You can hear fire trucks running across the city, but they're not close. The woman asks you, when will they send help? You shrug your shoulders. I don't know. We're better prepared for the big one than any big city in America, which is to say we're woefully unprepared. L.A.'s Mayor Eric Garcetti is worried. 40,000 city employees sounds like a lot, but when a disaster hits, they each have families. They have neighborhoods that they're living in. They may or may not be at work at any given time, and that spreads thin very quickly. Does more need to be done? Every day. Every person listening to this has something they can do today more than they. No listener is 100% prepared. Not even you? Not even me. There are 88 cities in LA County alone, and there aren't enough emergency responders to help everyone. So, to get outside help, the mayor's gotta declare a state of emergency. 
Then the governor will act. Not the sugarcoat is that this is a bad day. When California has bad days, Mark Gillarducci is in charge of the response. He runs the governor's office of emergency services. People tend to have what I call sort of a 911 syndrome. They they feel like, you know, they're used to dialing 911 and getting all the resources that they're going to be able to get to deal with their crisis. In this set of circumstances, it's not going to be the case. You know, you, you, you may be on your own for, uh, a, a highly likely that you'll be on your own for a period of time. Mark's going to get an alert on his phone, letting him know the big one's hit. So we're going to start activating fire strike teams and search and rescue teams from throughout the state. We're going to activate the National Guard early on. Then the president will declare a major disaster. And then FEMA gets involved. Agencies will talk via radios and satellite phones, coordinate help, send resources, but it'll take time. It could be more than a day before outside help shows up. And if you're trapped in a building, time matters. People don't last more than 48 hours, usually. Uh, if you had stuck a couple of bottles of water under your desk, you're going to be lasting a lot longer. You get a text from your wife. I can't get a hold of anyone at school. I've been stuck in traffic for hours. What should I do? You're desperate to get to your family, but roads are backed up, trains are down. Walking home all the way to North Hollywood is your only choice. Up Sunset Boulevard, through Silver Lake, then over the Santa Monica Mountains. It's about 15 miles. On a good day, this walk takes five hours. But today's not a good day. It's 12.30. You worry you won't get home before dark. This is a special safety message from the California Emergency Management Agency. Following an earthquake, a hot meal can help everyone feel better and calmer. It's not too early to start feeding people, but plan your meals carefully. Read the helpful information in the Survival Guide section near the front of your telephone directory. And stay tuned to this station for more information from the California Emergency Management Agency. It's hot. You're thirsty. You can still feel the dust in your throat. You notice a grocery store across the street. Cars fighting for spaces in the parking lot. There are more people here than you expected. You get closer and notice that the automatic doors are stuck on open. Store's dark. You head in. You're going to see a place that can't take credit cards. Because without electricity and internet, you can't verify the credit card. So you probably want to keep some cash on you. Because you never know when an earthquake can hit. And having $20, $40 in your pocket means you can go buy that bottle of water. Two guys walk past you carrying tanks of propane. There's a couple of employees sitting by the door just staring at their phones trying to get service. A mom's pulling her crying kids through the bread aisle. There's more food on the floor than on the shelves. And it smells like spaghetti sauce, beer, and fish. Which way is the water? You ask a young woman who works there. It's in the back. It's left of it anyway. 
You walk down the aisle, with every step, glass and cereal crunch beneath your feet. At the back of the store, you see a cooler. There's not much left, so you go to grab the last two bottles of water. You slip on a puddle of milk. You pick yourself up and you head to the register. Shit, do I even have any cash? When we talk about looting, we're talking about breaking into locations and stealing things. Now, mind you, we're in a different world. When this earthquake hits, and it's of that type of magnitude, you have to look at the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Phil Fontanetta, I'm a commander with the Los Angeles Police Department, and I've been with LAPD for a little over 38 years. If you see somebody walking down the street with a case of water, then that's a case of water. And it's just a, it's the sustainment of life. That's understandable. What breaks my heart is when I do see looters and they're stealing a TV and they're stealing not something that's going to sustain life. It's 90 degrees out. You haven't had food since eight. But are you really just going to walk out? Yes. Yes, you are. You grab a peanut butter protein bar, stick it in your pocket, and leave. Some of episode two of The Big One from KPCC called The Walk. And the main voice you heard there belongs to Jacob Margolis. He's a science reporter with a young family who started out with only a sketchy idea of what to do when the big one strikes. And one of the things the show does really well, and we probably heard it just there, is to dramatise these predictions of how things like transport and medical care and policing will be affected. I asked him how the team came up with these scenarios. The majority of the podcast is based on a report that came out from the U.S. Geological Survey and Caltech back in 2008. It's called The Shakeout Scenario. And they modelled... Uh, over 300 scientists worked on this or contributed to it, and they modeled a 7.8 magnitude quake on the southern San Andreas Fault breaking south to north. And that is what we based our scenario on. And so that was peer-reviewed research, high-quality stuff that came from the top scientists in the world on this topic. And so we felt pretty comfortable laying out this particular scenario. Now, there could there's an infinite number of earthquake scenarios that could occur. There could be big ones from other faults as well. And so... For ours, we decided to focus just on that one because it's supported by so much good science. And then in addition to that, we also went ahead and called up all of the different agencies that we talk about. We interviewed many of them. And since the report came out 10 years ago, we had to do a bunch of checking to make sure that, you know, it was still uh, viable. Like the concerns about, say, the water system were still viable. And so we talked to the people that run the water system and had a whole conversation about that. And so it turns out most of the concerns in the report are actually still very much concerns today because preparing for a massive earthquake, especially on the San Andreas Fault that runs almost the entirety of California, is a major, major undertaking, very expensive, and it's really hard to do. How did the idea for the podcast come about then? You know, they were taking podcast pitches uh, last in February 2018, and I sat down with the podcast team that was just kind of getting up and going. And this is a new sort of endeavor for uh, our radio station. And I just mentioned, they were like, what do you cover? I'm like, well, climate change, space, there's a big earthquake that's coming that no one talks about. (laughs) I cover and blah, blah, blah. And I started talking about it things like, wait a second, hold on. And so, you know, then we launched into what that big earthquake was actually going to be. And like I said, for me, I'd, I'd been hearing about this my entire life. I've been talking to scientists for years as a reporter. I didn't really 
think twice about it. But for them, they're like, most people don't think about this. I'm like, oh, I live in that disaster headspace all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. And so, you know, from there, we then kind of plotted it out a bit. And we had to figure out how to present the information, which is very important to an audience without burning them out, without scaring them too much, and hopefully with giving them actionable things that they could do at the end of it all. And so that's why we settled on, you know, it's called the big one, your survival guide. And so we have tips at the end of every episode, and we tried to walk people through very realistic scenarios. And a lot of people commute in LA. And so that's why we chose the scenario of you having to walk back home over some mountains. You finally get to the top of Runyon Canyon and walk up Mulholland Drive. You're cold. Down below, the city burns. Broken gas and power lines, small fires grow, merging, turning into giant walls of flame. Black clouds of smoke rise high into the sky, backlit by the setting sun. The Hollywood sign is barely visible. It's what fire officials were worried about all along. I was in the Northridge earthquake back in 1994, which was a 6.7 magnitude quake on a fault that they did not know existed before all of a sudden it just tore the San Fernando Valley, which is part of LA, just apart at 4.30 in the morning. And that is my one of my first memories, because I was about five at the time. One of my first memories is being torn from my bed by my parents and taken into a dark hallway. The lights wouldn't turn on. And it was just aftershock after aftershock after aftershock, just hitting again and again and again and again. And our house was very badly damaged. We had to move out of it for quite a long time while it was fixed. And we bounced around to different families' houses. So that was a major event that had a major impact on my life. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I kind of also grappled with while making this series. So what's the aim of the show? What do you want people to, to listen to, to pick up, to actually do from, from, from listening to the podcast? Honestly, my number one hope for this podcast is that people then institute some changes in their lives to get ready for not just a big earthquake, but natural disasters. To have one gallon of water per person per day, to have extra food, to have extra medical supplies, to be ready for some sort of big event because we, we're going to have those all around the world. You know, No matter where you live, let's say it's hurricane, let's say it's tornado, let's say it's a really bad snowstorm that locks you into your home of time. You know, People cannot rely on the systems that have been built to save them. People need to rely on themselves. Now, in the U.S., the systems are going to help a lot. And I do believe that FEMA will come in and help. I do believe that there are other organizations that will come in and help when a major quake hits. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to be self-sufficient for a period of time. And that's what every single official has told me. Get a first aid kit or at the very least, get some gauze, get some burn cream and get some band-aids. Hospitals are going to be super overwhelmed. And the injury that people saw most after Northridge was people with glass in their feet. So you want to put yourself in a position where you can take care of that yourself. That must be a challenge for you as a program maker, because when you impart that information about, you know, have a gallon of water a day, do this, do that, it's quite easy. And I think this is probably something that all kinds of emergency management services wrestle with. It's quite easy for, for the listener just to tune out. And if you're making a show about it, you've got to try and make it quite compelling, haven't you? You've got to draw me in. How did you go about doing that? So the way that we did that was we didn't just give people, you know, lettuce to eat. We didn't just say and scold them and say, you need to eat these vegetables. You need to do this right now. The way that we went about hopefully helping people accept some of this information by creating a hero. 
and the hero is hopefully one of our listeners. It's whoever is listening. And that hero goes through a journey themselves. And while it is only one scenario out of many scenarios that could occur, we want to hear stories. And so one of the best things that we can do as people who want to deliver this really important information is to couch it in some sort of compelling story. And we've heard from people that, you know, some of this was too scary for them, but at the end of the day, they were glad they listened because they were able to get their supplies together as a result. Something that we've struggled with since the beginning is how do we make sure people don't burn out? And I think we've kind of done a good job. I hope we've done a good job balancing some of the fear with really practical advice. If you're trapped in a building, don't just start screaming all over the place because there might not be any people around. And by the time help actually does show up, you wouldn't be able to use your voice to tell them where you are. You might lose your voice. So what people recommend is that you find some sort of object that's near you and you make like rhythmic noises, like in threes or fives. And then when help is around, then let them know where you are. People talk about podcasts being kind of immersive and very immediate. And there is something about having your headphones on and kind of inhabiting the world created by a podcast. How could you use that when you were making the big one? You can't shake people's seats. <laughs> so when we, for instance, you know, launch the earthquake or when we have things crumbling around you or stuff falling, you know, there is sound design that goes into that. There is expressive music that we had scored specifically for this podcast that I think, you know, if you use those low bass notes and contrast them with the high pitched sound of glass breaking, you know, I think you can in people's heads sort of take them to that space. What that does is it it adds to the argument that we're trying to make that this thing is coming, it's going to happen, you're probably not prepared, but hold on, let's hold your hand and we'll take you to a place where you're going to be okay. And I'm curious, you know, for people, for instance, over in New Zealand, you know, who've gone through some really just horrific earthquake, earthquakes in recent history, can people in say, New Zealand who have just gone through some of this stuff, can they relate it to their experience and hopefully take something away that is that is positive at the end of the day, that will get them ready for the inevitable next big one that kind of comes through for them. Jacob Margolis, the host and one of the team who made the big one from KPCC. And you can find a list of some of Jacob's favourite podcasts if you go to rnz.co.nz forward slash the podcast hour now. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast hour from RNZ. If you're finding it helping you find new stuff to listen to, then please do consider rating or reviewing us with as many stars as you can manage wherever you get your podcasts from and tell your friends and family about us too. And if you're writing a review, then do let us know what you like about the show or how it could be improved. So if you'd like to hear longer clips, more interviews with the people making the shows that we feature, uh, and if four shows is about the right number to highlight each week, that kind of stuff, it would be really helpful to know. Thanks a lot. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.